We are currently in the middle of a global panic. People are self-quarantining in their homes, and everybody's biggest concern is what to binge watch on Netflix. We live in an era where, throughout this pandemic, people are getting fatter. Why Democrats will turn out to vote in the lowest numbers in U.S. history in this upcoming presidential election. That was a long title. Mr. Reagan. Now, before I begin this episode, I need to say thank you to Maggie of Snohomish, Washington. Maggie and her boyfriend both work at Funko Toy Company up there in Washington, and they make those pop figures that are very popular these days, and she sent me this. This is a pop figure of Ronald Reagan. This is not me. This is the original Mr. Reagan. This is Ronald Reagan, which is, of course, way cooler. But he does kind of look like me. I think that if they did make a pop figure of me, it would probably look pretty similar to this. (laughs) Huh, this is interesting. You know, I've never actually had one of these before. You know, for some reason, I thought it was like a bobblehead. I thought that the heads moved or something, but they don't. They're like affixed. All right, look at that guy. How cool is that? This is not an advertisement for them. It's just a cool thing that somebody sent who watches the show. So thank you, Maggie. I'm going to keep this here in the backdrop of the show, a little reference to the man who inspired the brand here on Mr. Reagan. You can find Maggie on Twitter at PNWNChill, also on Instagram under the same name. I love it. I love it. So he's going to be, he's going to be on the show. He's going to be my little sidekick on the show here. All right, let's get this show going. Now, there are two reasons why Democrats won't turn out to vote this November. The first is the civil war going on right now in the Democrat Party. Bernie and AOC have done an incredible thing for Republicans. They've actually created a schism in the Democrat Party, a split right down the middle. And the chasm in between is very deep and very wide. The progressives don't just disagree with the Democrat establishment. They hate them. And there is now a never Biden movement starting. I love it. (laughs) But it's not just that the progressives hate the Democrat establishment. The moderate establishment Democrat voters, they're also terrified of the socialist progressives. I asked a friend of mine who wanted to vote for Pete Buttigieg if she would vote for Bernie if he got the nomination. And she said yes. So, I mean, there are some who would vote Bernie if it came down to it. But her decision was expressed with an expectation that Bernie would change all of his policy ideas once he got into office. And this is an expectation that I don't think that all moderate Democrat voters share or even most moderate Democrat voters share. So you've got this amazing situation here that it first happened in 2016, and it's happening again in 2020. The Democrat Party is split. Progressives won't vote for the establishment, and the establishment voters won't vote for the progressives. I mean, it looks like Biden is going to win here, so the second option really isn't a consideration at this point. And look, many Bernie bros will bite the bullet and vote for Biden, but many will refuse to vote altogether. And some will even vote for Trump out of defiance. So that is the first reason why many Democrats are going to stay home this November. And I think that it is a significant problem for Democrats. And I think that it that alone might ensure Trump's victory. But there is another more important reason why many Democrats won't vote in November. And I'll get to that in a moment. First, I have to sell you something. If people become trapped in their homes because of the recent pandemic going around the world, your best friend may be the solar water heater. The solar water heater is an amazing device that allows you to heat and boil water outdoors using simply sunlight. Depending on the conditions, the solar water heater can heat water in as little as 30 minutes and it'll work anywhere that the sun shines. You can use it to boil water, cook noodles or rice, make coffee and sterilize the water for drinking without any battery 
or gas. No more reliance on gas stoves. No more heavy and expensive gas canisters. No dangerous flames. Just an unlimited source of free energy. No need to go through all the work of gathering dry wood and trying to get a fire started when you have the solar water heater. Imagine boiling water with no flame, no smoke, no noise. All you need is some sunshine. The solar water heater is the perfect tool in times of need. Now listen, there is a limited supply and this is your very last chance to get 15% off the new 2020 model before they sell out. This is the perfect gift for the outdoorsman. Please visit solarwaterheater.com and get one for yourself or somebody that you care about today. And in fact, I'm actually going to get this for my brother because he... Valeria, were you listening to the ad? So this is a solar water heater. You don't need a fire. You just put it outside. The sun hits it and it boils water. Like you can use it for camping, stuff like that. Like let's say there's an earthquake and all the water goes off. You can use this for survival. Do you think Nick would love this? She, she, she said for sure. Those were her words. Yeah, my brother would love this. In fact... Everybody's brother would love this. Everybody's dad would love this. You got to get this. This thing's amazing. Perfect for coronavirus pandemic. Use promo code Reagan15 for 15% off. Remember that solarwaterheater.com and use the promo code Reagan15 for your 15% off. This November, we have an incredibly important election. Most of the people who watch this video, you love Trump. You love Trump, it seems to me, primarily for three reasons. The first reason is that he's no-nonsense. Trump is a businessman, and he's all about being effective and efficient. Since the quagmire of Vietnam, the United States has been obsessed with optics, apologizing, making other countries like us. For most of our history, we had, as far as I know, a good reputation around the world. The United States, as a country, as a culture, as an idea, we were respected by other governments and, most crucially, by the citizens of our own nation. But after Vietnam, people became cynical and Watergate just compounded the problem. Every president since then has focused probably way too much on restoring the perceived dignity of the United States. Conservatives were definitely guilty of this, but the Democrats were especially guilty. The Democrats employed policies not for the benefit of the people of this country, but in order to virtue signal to the rest of the world. Democrats always seem to point outside the United States as models of dignity and integrity and good governance. Look at Denmark, look at Sweden, look how much better they are than us. Or if you're Bernie Sanders, look at Cuba, look at Russia, look how great they are. (laughs) But the problem is this, the United States is already dignified. The United States, as an idea, as a culture, as a country, we were founded on strong principles. And at the core, we are still that dignified entity. If you run around trying desperately to show how awesome you are, nobody's actually going to believe it. You just look desperate and sad, and that's what we've been doing for decades. Donald Trump understood this when he ran for president. He wasn't interested in the optics of dignity. He understood that the United States will shine naturally if we would just unleash the full power of America's economic engine. The Democrats became such strong virtue signalers that they suppressed the United States economy, our military, our quality of life. And this was all for the benefit of other nations. To me, this is a kind of treason. If you've not seen the film 2012 Obama's America, the the film by Dinesh D'Souza, I highly recommend it. It exposes the anti-colonial philosophy of Barack Obama's father, the philosophy that Dinesh speculates drove Obama's policy decisions. Trump got into office with a completely new perspective. He wasn't in office to make the world love the United States. He was in office to make America America great again. 
In order to break America's habit of virtue signaling, sacrificing our own potential in order to build up other nations, Trump had to challenge the left on their control of the language. In the 1990s, we weren't allowed to talk about a lot of things. We weren't allowed to talk about race or religion or culture or immigrants. Unless, of course, we were criticizing white people or Christians or American culture or European history or colonialism. If we were talking about any of that stuff, well, that's just fine. But... Otherwise, we weren't allowed to talk about any of those subjects. We weren't even allowed to say the word black. We were told that we had to say African-American. I remember kids in the 90s, even in early 2000s, when they would talk about somebody and they would want to indicate who it was within a group, if the person was black, they would say, it's the black guy, right? They like whisper black. And I, I would always say, it's not a secret. You can say the word black. It's okay, you know. But people were scared. They were scared to be called racist. The left constructed a series of rules by which we were all told that we must follow. And if we deviate from these rules in any way, we were publicly shamed as racist. You're a racist for saying the word black. (laughs) Many of us fought against this in our own private lives. Some fought publicly. But Trump is the first president to go into this battle full on. He wasn't trying to mediate, to play nice. He went all in, guns blazing, fighting against the policing of language. And it was the right time for him to do so because most rational Americans had come to realize in 2016 that the language control of the left had gotten way out of control. And that's the second reason that we love Trump. He's politically incorrect. But it's not just for the sake of being provocative. His attacks on the political correctness of the left, these attacks have been made with surgical precision. Trump understood that in order to successfully transform the country, in order to remove various camps and restrictions that were stifling America's true power, Trump had to change the culture. He had to remove the caps and restrictions on language, too. And we conservatives, we stepped up and we fought against this as well, just as we had been doing for years, but now with more confidence. We saw that this was an opportunity. We finally had a president that was actually willing to do what it took to make America great again. And that's exactly what he started doing from day one. And this is the third reason that Trump supporters love him and the most important. Trump is really, truly, actually effective. His policies are actually improving the country. And that's the single most important thing a president can do. Sure, Trump has what appears to be a great approach to governance. And Trump's culture shift and war on political correctness seems like it should be effective. But none of this actually matters unless it does, in fact, improve the country. And that's why we love Trump, because he has unquestionably improved this country. My favorite accomplishment of this president has not been the 4 million jobs created or the unprecedented economic growth or the insane job growth for women and minorities and veterans, the amazing reduction in welfare, food stamp reliance, the middle-class tax cuts, the opening up of the availability of generic drugs, which is a really big deal, the fight against the opioid epidemic, the Veterans Administration reforms, the improvements to the military, the brilliant foreign negotiations that have been of so much benefit to American businesses, the work he's done on legal and illegal immigration the unprecedented number of federal judge appointments, or even the wall. No, my favorite accomplishment is one that is vastly underappreciated because it's not sexy. It's something that you can't see. It's not so much an action as an unaction. My favorite accomplishment is the massive amount of deregulation that Trump has passed. This, more than anything else, shows Trump's commitment to unleashing America's potential, and it has worked until the coronavirus temporarily obliterated the world economy. But the key word there is temporarily. This economic dip 
is very temporary. Certainly, hand sanitizer and toilet paper companies will see a 30-year depression because we stockpiled so much of that crap, nobody's going to need it for 30 years. But other than those two industries, the economy will come back quickly and fully in the next few months. As people's fears about the coronavirus assuage, as people realize that this is basically the common cold and they start going outside again, the airline industry will come back in force. People will start going to concerts again and to the movies and to Disneyland. Because of the irrational nature of the panic, Trump had to take some drastic actions. Actions that I don't think were necessary, given the mild nature of the virus, but actions that were necessary merely to reduce the panic across the country and throughout the world. And people did seem to feel better after Trump's coronavirus press conference. The policies he implemented did instill confidence in the American people. And so I think that's good for Trump because things will go back to normal and it'll look like that Trump helped make that happen, which will be true a little because he assuaged fears. And when things come back to normal, I think people will realize what they maybe knew before the virus panic, but perhaps hadn't thought about consciously, that their lives are pretty dang good. There's been a lot of whining by left-wing political pundits and Democrat presidential candidates about who the thriving economy actually helps. They'll tell you that billionaires benefit and that the rest of us are left in the gutter. But there's a problem with this criticism. Nobody actually sees it. Quality of life has sharply increased throughout Trump's presidency in Every single demographic, rich, poor, middle class, black, white, Asian, Muslim, Indonesian, I mean, everybody's life is improved in America. And the great thing about quality of life is that you don't need statistics or politicians or CNN reporters telling you about it. You see it all around you. You see how happy people are, how optimistic you recognize your own life improvements, comfort, travel, entertainment. We are currently in the middle of a global panic. People are self-quarantining in their homes and everybody's biggest concern is what to binge watch on Netflix. We live in an era where throughout this pandemic, people are getting fatter. And this all brings me to my third reason voter turnout will be historically low amongst Democrats in November. Even amongst the Democrats who do support the nominee, Joe Biden presumably, even amongst those Democrats, there will be a significant percentage who will be scared to vote out Trump. Even though they hate Trump, they worry that Will this current improvement in my quality of life stop if I vote for Trump? Or even worse, will my quality of life reduce? The problem that these Democrats have is the reality that Trump is a good president. And he's a businessman. And though they may hate him and they might think that he's a racist and all that crap, they do recognize that sometimes a good businessman, whatever his personal characteristics, is the best thing for the company. You see, America is like a business that trades in the currency of quality of life. And the stockholders are all the American people. And right now, Trump is the CEO and he's making us all rich. So you have this hesitation among some of the more sensible Democrats. Should I really vote against Trump? And although I don't expect many of them to vote for Trump, I do expect many of them to stay home. And that is why there will be the lowest Democrat turnout in the history of the country this November. And remember, it's not that our liberal friends are ignorant. It's just that they know so much. That isn't so. Good night. The principles of wealth creation transcend time, people, and place. Governments would deliberately subvert them by denouncing God, smothering faith, destroying freedom, and confiscating wealth have impoverished their people. Communism works only in heaven where they don't need it and in hell where they've already got it.